I recall one of my uh, doctor friends telling me that I would go to hell because I was recommending something satanic to my patients. I mean, this is how, how high the level of ignorance and stigma uh, surrounded this whole field. And it's a shame because there's solid and in- ever-increasing scientific support and validation for the endocannabinoid system and all of the uh, the elements of the cannabis plant and we're just scratching the surface and this is what really excites me for the future this is the cannabis enigma cutting through the smoke to have informed serious conversations for regular people Hi, I'm Alana Goldberg. And I'm Michael Schaefer Omerman. So, Mike, tell us about this interview we're about to listen to today. I spoke with Dr. Vincent Maeda, who's an associate professor at the University of Toronto, and he's also a palliative care and wound management specialist, and a doctor who's been working with medical cannabis for over 20 years. And what's his story? So, as you'll hear, uh, I'm always fascinated to, you know, as you said, hear the stories of, of people who not only are working with medical cannabis, but especially those who got into it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and for him, like many others that we've spoken to here on the podcast and elsewhere, it started with patients bringing him information and you know, showing him that there was something that, that doctors and medicine wasn't looking at. But the unique or even more interesting thing with Dr. Maeda is the work that he's doing today. Yeah, so I was actually there during the interview, um, and I found it very interesting to hear about kind of the end of the story, what's going on right now, what he's developing. Right. So Dr. Maeda is working on a cannabinoid and cannabis-based treatment for a problem that's way more common than you would think in the world, um, and that is chronic intractable wounds. And what are they? Right. So intractable wounds are... Uh, or chronic wounds are things like bed sores, conditions where you have a wound or a hole in your body that won't heal. I was uh, I was surprised to hear listening how how big a problem this actually is. Um, Dr. Maida quoted uh, a figure of six percent of the world's population currently has one of these types of wounds, which is an insane figure. Yeah, you know it's a little hard to understand the exact biochemical mechanics of of what he's doing. But, you know, we'll hear from him, him in a second. But it's, it's really fascinating that he, he believes he's found um, a treatment, a successful treatment for something that medicine just doesn't really have a good answer for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that really stood out to me about this uh, conversation was that we were talking about a topical delivery method here, that he's working on creams and balms that can be put onto the skin um, rather than administered by inhalation or orally, which is, I think, the majority of the the cannabis treatments that we hear about and talk about. Right. Should we listen to the interview? Before we do, I would just remind you that if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find us and uh, helps remind you to listen. Dr. Vincent Maeda, thanks for being with us. My pleasure and my honor. So we're here at the Canex uh, Medical Cannabis Conference in Portugal, 
And I listened to your presentation yesterday about the work that you're doing. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second. But um, first, I want to ask you, how did you uh, start using cannabis in your medical practice? I have over two and a half decades of experience using ca- cannabis and cannabinoids in my patients over my 37-year career as a physician. And it started by listening to the narratives of the thousands of patients that I've had over my career. And um, over and over, hearing the stories of my patients using typical guideline drugs and treatments for their various conditions and not having complete or adequate response of their, of their issues and their symptoms. And yet when they added cannabis or cannabinoids to their existing guideline drugs, they suddenly began, began to experience more positive results. And when one hears those narratives time and time again, day in and day out, it, one starts to wonder. And, um, um, and, and, and it's basically based on hearing those narratives from my patients that these compounds are useful and beneficial and relatively you know, carefree in terms of side effects that made me become a believer uh, and uh, uh, promoted me to and allowed me and stimulated me to want to go into the literature and learn more about the endocannabinoid system. And it's, it's something that I've been following for many, for many years. In fact, I'm into my third decade of, of doing so. It's something we hear a lot, um, especially from doctors, that their introduction to you know, medical cannabis, uh, cannabinoids in the endocannabinoid system, it, that it's, it comes from the patients. Um, because it, you know, wasn't and still isn't in a lot of medical schools being taught. Um, did that was that a challenge um, cognitively to you know to sort of push back against the training that you had received? A- absolutely, or lack of training. That is uh, because, in fact, uh, when I went to medical school, there was zero mention about the endocannabinoid system. Even though things were starting to evolve, I, I believe Professor Melshalem had already published. Uh, some early data, and uh, but even then there was zero curricula when I went to medical school, and of course the the way medical students are socialized, it, it, it's to think in a certain way, and any and if you try to think um, in ways outside of those parameters, um, you're you're kind of deemed a, a bit of a heretic, etc. And, and so I was uh, when I started, uh, you know, utilizing. And uh, having greater clinical experience with uh, with cannabinoids, I was viewed as as uh, you know the outcast, the the, the outsider, the the heretic. Uh, I recall one of my uh, uh, doctor friends telling me that I would go to hell because I was recommending something satanic to my patients. I mean, this is how how high the level of ignorance and stigma uh, surrounded this whole field, and it's a shame because there's solid and ever-increasing scientific support and validation for uh, the endocannabinoid system and all of the, uh, the elements of the cannabis plant. And we're just scratching the surface, and this is what really excites me for the future. I want to talk about the work that you're doing, but, but let's just keep along the, the chronological trajectory here. What, what kind of uses were you uh, using it for with your patients uh, in the beginning? Okay, so as a palliative medicine specialist, I was using it as a, an adjuvant support for patient, cancer patients undergoing chemotherapy, suffering intractable 
chemotherapy-induced nausea vomiting, also using it for the, the severe complex pain syndromes that cancer patients get, those that come directly from the disease, but also the ones that come from chemotherapies, like um, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathies. And these are the patients that they're using all the guideline drugs, but they're still not having the, the level of effect that they need to, to move on with their lives, or even to want to continue living for that matter. And so um, that's how, how it started, primarily in the, in the cancer context. So in the early days of my palliative medicine experience, I had a, another epiphany moment, and that was realizing that most of my patients with advanced illnesses in the palliative medicine setting also had a wound. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, over 10 years ago, I published probably the, the, the world's first prospective uh, incidence prevalence studies on all the various wounds that this, pa- this patient population is afflicted with. And so, what are they? Over sixty percent of patients with advanced illnesses have at least one wound issue. So essentially, um, when I reflect on my career, it's like a Venn diagram: uh, three things that are intersecting: palliative medicine, wound management, and cannabinoid medicine. And, and the intersection of all of those three rings of the Venn di- my, my metaphoric Venn diagram, represent my research and my innovations, uh, looking at how cannabinoids can not only improve pain and symptom management, a la palliative medicine, but also heal wounds and palliate wounds, etc., and and heal them as well. Can you explain what chronic wounds are? So a chronic wound is a wound that fails to to heal, basically. Uh, And and people have defined it differently. Some people say three months, some people say six months, but generally a wound that is simply not getting better. A normal healthy person with a a full-thickness skin wound should heal on their own with no treatment. You don't even need a Band-Aid. You will heal. A healthy person will heal on their own spontaneously. Somebody who's elderly, debilitated, has a cancer, has another incurable disease, combinations thereof, their capacity to heal is greatly reduced for a number of reasons. And these are the patients that develop chronic wounds. And not only do they develop chronic wounds, but the wounds get worse and worse and worse. And a couple of outcomes can happen. They can either die from the wound, or they can end up with a complication that can lead to an amputation. Uh, and, and they also are prone to developing things like sepsis, from which an elderly, um, frail patient has a high probability of dying from. So, unfortunately, the the old paradigms in wound management that are espoused globally are just not leading to any beneficial effects. And this is what's led me to think outside of the box. And, and in fact, my, my innovative approach to wounds using cannabis-based therapies is not just about treating the wound, the hole in the patient. It's about treating the whole patient, but also treating the, the tissues around the wound, because the tissues around the wound are the very tissues that are at risk of breaking down beyond the original wound itself. So that, you know, um, and of course, I've come to realize uh, through m- my intense studying of the basic science that the same pathophysiologic uh, elements that are occurring in the wound bed, the hole, so to speak, are also resident in the surrounding tissue. So it behooves us to treat not just the hole in the patient, but the whole patient and the whole, the peri wound as well. Yes. What are the existing treatments? for, for the, these kinds of wounds? 
Well, without um, disrespecting many people in, in the wound world, um, they, they are nothing but, but basically sophisticated Band-Aids. There's really nothing. I mean, there's a lot of advanced technologies um, uh, around uh, you know, placental stem cells and growth factors, but none of these have, have led to any positive results, and many of them have actually been withdrawn from the market because of, of secondary sequelae. So, so really, there, there's not much in the wound world. And, and it's, it's sad because wounds consume some of the biggest portions of global healthcare budgets, and yet most of it is on simply sophisticated Band-Aids, which essentially do nothing uh, in terms of disease modulation. And can you say more about the outcomes that you've seen in your studies and just in... Uh... Okay, so my studies, I've, I've targeted in my, in my phase one study, not just ordinary wounds, trivial wounds. Sorry, maybe we can just explain to our listeners what phase one means. Phase one means uh, the, um, uh, it's not a random, it's, there's no controls in it. It's just taking selected patients and subjecting them to the treatment. But in the case of mine, I'm subjecting it to patients who failed, who've gone through the gauntlet of treatments and who've had wounds for more than six months and who also have a high burden of comorbid disease. So already, technically, it's not even a phase one. It's almost a phase two because we're selecting for very high-level, retract, intractable, refractory-type wounds in very sick patients. People who, who there's no heal. expectation that it would Correct, heal. correct. I, I'm basically healing the otherwise non-healable. And, and what kind of success rates uh, have you seen, and, and how do you define a successful outcome? Okay, so um, the, the classic endpoint in the domain of wounds uh, for the ultimate result in wound management is wound closure, time to wound closure. And it's interesting because if you review the literature, as I have in, 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 in working to get my, my materials uh, published, many studies don't, don't quote time to wound closure. And, and, but, and that's the ultimate. If you don't close a wound, you've really not achieved anything. Yep. So my, my results thus far in, in cohorts of truly intractable wounds, orphan-type wounds that don't have good treatments, my, my times to, to, to wound closure are the shortest in, in the published data worldwide. For, for intractable wounds like sickle cell disease, Uremic calciphylaxis, non-uremic calciphylaxis, pyoderma gangrenosa. These are among the most challenging wounds in the world, and, and yet I'm healing them in, in record times. And also pain relief as well. So we've also tracked pain relief as a secondary outcome. Uh, I've already published a couple of papers showing that the use of topical cannabis-based medicines are able to not only relieve pain, wound-related pain, but also spare opioids. So it's it's, you know, again... Uh, an overall success because we're getting people off opioids. Um, there's a number of other, um, you know, lower level outcomes that I haven't tracked officially, but I can kind of speak to anecdotally. Um, I've had zero amputations, and many of my patients came to me as as a salvage consult because they were going. They've had multiple surgeons tell them that they need their limb chopped off. Uh, so I've had no amputations. Um, I've had. Uh, Again, I haven't officially tracked it, but I've noticed that the number of antibiotic prescriptions given to these patients has been very much reduced. Uh, and, uh, and this is not surprising, because if you're able to start closing the wound, the body is able to 
uh, ward itself off of bacteria that are trying to invade and destroy more tissue. So, right. so it, it's it's really exciting, and um, you know overall well being and functionality. I've had patients come to me bed bound, and when they're healed, they're dancing again. If they, you know, and, and uh, it, it's it's really very inspiring. Can you just contextualize the problem um, of of chronic wounds, like? What, what, what's the scope? Um, how, how many people are likely to, to develop and in what conditions? And, okay. and how, how, how is, what is its place in the, in the, the medical system? So um, the WHO itself has declared chronic wounds as one of the world's biggest global health crises. So that's, that's one statement. Um, up to 6% of the entire population of this, this globe have a chronic wound. Currently. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm not very good at math, but what's 6% of 7.7 billion? Quite a few. Yeah, so, so that's the number of people with chronic wounds. And furthermore, again, I spoke about uh, value for healthcare expenditure. There is no domain in all of global health that is growing at a greater rate than expenditures related to wounds. And that, that's 7.5% per year. Actually, to be completely uh, transparent... It's tied with dialysis. So dialysis and wound expenditures are both growing globally at 7.5%. At least with dialysis. Dialysis does a lot of good to people. My, my mother back home, she's on dialysis and she's still alive. So the, the increase for dialysis makes sense to me. The increase in wound expenditures doesn't make sense because the outcomes are still dismal. There is no domain in healthcare, and I believe I'm re- repeating myself perhaps, there's no domain in healthcare that has poor outcome measures than the world of wounds. Well, uh, I hope for all of us that you change that. Thank you very much. It's, it's been a real pleasure and, and an honor to be interviewed today. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. I'm Michael Schaefer Oman. This episode was produced by myself, Alana Goldberg, and Matan Whale. And special thanks to Matan for running out to catch Dr. Maeda to invite him for this interview. He was actually planning on going to look at a soccer stadium in a nearby area in Lisbon, but uh, we convinced him to do this instead. Mm-hmm.